Welcome to the I Am Podcast. My name is Carl Weaver, and I am the website content manager at I Am. If you have any suggestions for the I Am Podcast, you can email me at carl.weaver at iamovers.org. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. Thank you for being with us again today. I'm joined by I am Vice President Brian Limperopoulos. Good morning, Brian. Hey, Carl. Thanks for having me back on the podcast. Uh, I think uh, now we're up to, th- this is our third session together, so we're starting to get into the hang of it, and uh, we got a lot of good stuff to talk about today, so thanks for having me back on. Oh, yeah, thanks for being here, and uh you know, pretty soon we're, you know, keep on the lookout for Brian and Carl's vaudeville act. We're going to do all sorts of different things here. But seriously, uh, one of the things we're going to start doing is, and this is probably not until after our annual meeting, is we're going to have uh, maybe some member involvement. We've had a number of people uh, among the members ask about either being on the podcast or doing something uh, that'll get them more visibility. And so we're, we're figuring out how to do that. So if you're interested in being on the podcast or maybe being on uh, one of the I, uh, I Am Learning uh, webcasts, uh, give us a, just let us know. You can email me or you can email Brian. Uh, get in touch with uh, Ray De Silva if you're specifically interested in the I Am Learning. Uh, but you know, we want to hear from you and we want to know what's going on in your world. I, that's a really important point, Carl, and I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, uh, this whole virtual conference that we're putting on, it's it's forcing us to really think about the conversations that we're uh, bringing to the members and how we engage the members to a much greater extent. And, you know, Carl and I, we, we participate with the American Society of Association Executives and Association for Associations, kind of a fun little take there. But you know, there's, there's a concept that we want to achieve as staff members, and we want IAM to be a member-driven organization, that we're being led by the members, and that, you know, specific to this conversation, the content that we're putting out is member-driven. So uh, we want you to participate. We want to hear from you. We want to learn what sessions you're interested in. We have a number of sessions, and I think at some point in the near future, we're going to make some form available for members to say, hey, I want to learn more about cybersecurity. That would really be helpful. Or uh, let's talk about mold and mildew uh, in shipments and how we mitigate that. So look out for more information on that, but really important point, Carl. So Brian, we've got a uh, something coming up here at the annual meeting. It's the, the title of the session is RMCs. What do they want from movers? So what is an RMC? Yeah, so a relocation management company, uh, RMC. I hope I got my acronym right. But um, <laughs> no, I mean, we brought together uh, a really good panel there. And this is just a microcosm of what we're doing across the whole agenda for the conference. But to focus in on you know the specific rmcs and you know if you're looking at the e-portal right now we have a nice little graphic there and i have to thank our our conference sponsor enterprise database corporation for sponsoring that event but um 
you know, we brought together some of the bigger uh, relocation management companies in the world to talk about how they select their service providers, on what metrics are they grading their service providers, how to connect with them in order to win their business, uh, and then getting into some of the smaller kind of nitty gritty ideas uh, around uh, our business. And, you know, it's a really good conversation. And I think, you know, if you are involved in that type of business or want to be involved in that type of business, it's a really good session to participate in. So we'll have a live Q&A on that at the conference uh, and it's gonna be panelists like Jim Edwards with Altair Global and Nap with Global Mobility Solutions, Jolene Lawfer with Airs, and John Zilka uh, with NRI uh, Relocation. And our you know, Love and Relo's own Ben Cross is, uh, is moderating that. So expect a really engaging conversation and an opportunity to ask questions to these individuals and maybe put your company in a position to win their business. So that's just one of the conversations out of the many that we're planning for the conference. Uh, if you look at the ePortal right now, you know uh, we put in a link for all of you to see the agenda. So uh, again, the, the idea here is this is not just for your regular run-of-the-mill IAM attendee at your company. Um, the, the conversations that we're bringing to the members this year are applicable to other people in your company and could be a source of business down the road for all of you. So that is one of the things that we're trying to get through to all of the members that this is a fundamentally, a, not just from a virtual standpoint, it's different, but fundamentally from a content standpoint and the value you can derive from this conference is going to be different this year as well. Yeah, that's a great thing. You know, we've really uh, pulled out all the stops and creating the, um, you know, some, some really engaging panels. And that's one reason why you know, I mentioned earlier, we're looking for members to say, hey, this is what we want. And uh, it's possible you're an expert on this. You're listening to us. You're an expert. And uh, somehow you're not on the panel. Well, maybe next year we need you on the panel. You know, we need, we need, uh, we need folks, uh, to, to step up and maybe create some sessions. So there are a lot of opportunities in the future. So Brian, there's a, an update on the Sydney port congestion. So they had some congestion we reported on a couple weeks ago. And uh, because of that, they now have a surplus of empty containers in Sydney from between 30,000 and 50,000 TEUs. That's a heck of a lot of containers that are just sitting empty waiting to go somewhere else. And that's something, I, as I look at the uh, the news, I try to keep up on the news, what's going on uh, in different ports. And I've seen that elsewhere. Hey, we've got a whole bunch of uh, empty containers. It's hard to move these things around, especially if you had like a, a Stevedore uh, union strike or something like that where nothing was going through. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, we're seeing um, a lot of disruption uh, on the container in the container shipping industry, particularly in in the uh, Pacific region, and you know we have to thank our our partners at the Australian International Movers Association for for sharing this information. But yeah, the 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 fact of the matter is is that there are uh, 
there are things happening in the Pacific region that is, is making the usual processes to move and shift these containers around uh, impossible to do so. I mean, there are labor issues going on in, in Australia. There are uh, war game exercises taking place by the Chinese in, in the Pacific that are causing container ships to reroute. All of these aspects are converging and creating, you know, kind of this cascading situation where these empty containers can't be picked up, can't be moved to where they need to be, uh, probably back to China where they can be filled up with uh, manufactured goods to be transported to market. You know, while we're a small part of that global supply chain, um, you know, if our containers can't be offloaded in Sydney or if they can't be unloaded onto a, a ship that creates that congestion and those knock-on effects um, that we all have to be aware of when we're moving uh, our, our client shipments into or out of uh, the Port of Sydney. Now, I think we should all be monitoring the ports elsewhere in the Pacific region to see if there's any additional knock-on effects from all of these things happening, but that is definitely something all of you need to be on the lookout for if you're uh, if you're shipping to or from Australia at this point. Well, we've got an interesting I Am Learning uh, episode coming up. Uh, this is going to be on November 4th at, 4, at 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. It's going to be the uh, U.S. election, how it will impact our industry. And as you know, if you're in the U.S. or you're paying attention to the U.S., uh, there was an interesting uh, debate the other day. Uh, we don't want to get too much into that, uh, but it was... Uh, you know, I think it, the, everyone ended up with more questions and answers from the whole thing. And this session is going to be with uh, Brian Limperopoulos, who's here now, and, uh, and Chuck White, our president, along with Jim Wise and Brian Vickers uh, from Pace uh, LLC. And, and uh, it's going to be talking about what's, what's going on. You know, how's the, uh, the election and we may know the results then, we may not know the results then, but what's going to happen with our industry after that? And of course, that is the day after election day here in the US. It's the day after tomorrow, right? Um, <laughs> so this is something that I think everybody's looking to because you know, the US uh, for a long time has been the, the world superpower and policy made here in the US affects us uh, in the US, but it affects our moving companies around the world. The US is the world's largest moving market. Uh, the US Department of Defense is the world's largest shipper of household goods and personal effects. Uh, and then, you know, the non-military government shipper, uh, US Department of State, US General Services Administration are also huge shippers. Um, so it's going to impact across the spectrum, you know, whether you're located in the U.S. or not, this election will impact your business. Whether people can move as freely to the U.S. as they have been able to in the past or not, um, that's going to be a key question that comes out of, this com uh, out of this election. You know, for us at the association, we're also looking at what the impact may be for our annual meeting. You know, this year we're doing a virtual annual meeting, and Next year, we want to be face to face as much as possible. And we want, we're hoping that we have, we're existing in an environment that makes it easy for our members to travel to the US to join 
uh, your, your community of movers for our one time a year event. Uh, under the current administration, the immigration restrictions are a little bit more difficult under uh, a Biden administration that would likely be relaxed. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of implications towards regulation with the U.S. Federal Maritime Commission or the U.S. Federal Mer Motor Carrier Safety Administration. So I think it's important that we, uh, we provide this conversation, we contextualize what the results mean, and hopefully, you know, that, that will be of use to all of you. And you won't hear anything about the moving industry on the news with respect to the election, but we'll bring that kind of contextualization to all of you and, and show what the election means and, uh, and uh, what it means for you and your company. So I'm excited about that conversation. Uh, so that's going to be November 4th at 1 p.m. Eastern. There's a link in the ePortal to uh, register for that. So you click on it and then you register on I Am Learning. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to a really good conversation on that day. Yeah, and hopefully we'll have, uh, you know, we'll know what's going on in the U.S. at that <laughs> point. You know, we'll have some clue anyway and, and be able to, you know, give give some great information, you know, some real insight there. Um, something that happened recently, Brian, is that I got an email from our, our president, Chuck White, I guess it was earlier in the week, or maybe it was last week. And he said, they've spoofed my account. And this is something that's happened, I think, every year since I've been at IEM, is that the president's account, uh, email account gets spoofed. And because uh, I remember Terry coming into my office at least once a year around this time and, sure. uh, and saying, Hey, uh, you know, there's a bunch of emails going out, asking for money, asking for gift cards, stuff like that. Um, for those of you who don't know, this isn't hacking. Chuck's email was not hacked. It's just been spoofed, which means that when you look at the email, it appears to be from him. It has his name. Uh, but if you look at where the email came from, like the, all the header info, uh, and sometimes that's easy to see, sometimes it's not. Uh, but if you look at that information, you can see it didn't come from our server. It didn't come from his email address. Um, so if you see something suspicious pop up in your email, uh, definitely feel free to reach out to our office and ask if it's legitimate. But in general, unless it's some, if, if it's something like, uh, you know, it's billing season for uh, renewals of membership, we're going to ask you for money. You know, but that's going to be not for Chuck, that's going to be for the association. Um, if any individual ever asks you for money or asks for a loan or asks for gift cards for something, um, you know, just, you could, I'd say probably greater than 99% chance you could just delete and ignore it. Again, if you want to contact us and see what's going on, feel free. And I, I want to go one step further, or not one step further, but it's kind of parallel to what Carl is saying is, there's a whole, um, and this is a problem across the whole meeting and event industry where these companies, I, I, I think they're criminals, uh, reach out to um, potential attendees and say, we have the list of attendees for this conference. And they say, we can make it available to you for, I don't know, a thousand US dollars. Please know that we do not release any of your data uh, to these companies to sell. That would just be completely, uh, 
you know, against the, uh, the relationship that we have with our members. Uh, please feel free, again, to contact Carl with those questions to let us know when you see that. But uh, unfortunately, you know, we have no way of, you know, cracking down on these companies. But just know that we are never going to sell that information. Uh, and furthermore, we don't make that information available uh, to anybody. Your email address uh, is, or, or contact information is available on Mobility Exchange only if you allow it to be uh, available on Mobility Exchange. But for our conference, the only da data elements that we make available is on your attendee list. And that is your name, your company, and your country. Uh, and we ask for your consent to do that uh, in line with GDPR. So I, I just wanna make sure we get that out as well, that IAM is taking the appropriate steps to uh, protect uh, your, your security and privacy as well. Right, and on that note, um, it is possible. So, you know, we, we published the, like Brian said, your name, company, and country on our attendee list. Someone who's really resourceful could download, download that and then cross-check with uh, some other resource like LinkedIn or Facebook and get other information. So, but the email that I saw a few weeks ago on this uh, said something like uh, there are 5,000 or 6,000 attendees will sell you all their information. And I can guarantee you, we would love to have 5,000 or 6,000 attendees. I don't think we've ever had that in person. You yeah. know, uh, you know, we just don't, we don't have that many registered. Uh, that would be a wonderful problem to have. But, um, you know, if someone, it, it, those of you who've been to our meetings know that we get somewhere between 1,700 and 2,000, somewhere in that neighborhood of, of in-person attendees. And if someone comes and says, hey, there's 5,000 people coming, uh, it sounds outlandish, contact our office, see what's going on. Uh, or just delete the email. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a spam. It's not spam. It's a fraudulent email. So we need to, we need to fight back against them, Carl. We need to figure out, we need to figure out a way to get back at them. One, one of these days. We're going to hire Chuck Norris. He's going to take care of it for us. There, there's the solution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I want to move on to the next one, which is something I'm, I'm excited about. Um, you know, right after COVID hit in April, our Allen F. Wallstetter scholarship fund, uh, their board of directors came up with the idea to use the, the reserve of funds that they had to uh, make donations to nonprofits who had an infrastructure that was currently supporting uh, str uh, struggling students around the world. So any student that, you know, either saw their food uh, assistance dry up or uh, you know, we're just having difficulties in order, you know, with the, with the changes due to the pandemic, we're having difficulties completing their studies. Uh, now, the scholarship fund typically makes uh, up to 10 scholarships available to, uh, you know, people in our industry who are pursuing higher education or student members with IAM. So this is a bit of a departure um, uh, from the scholarship fund board, but again, they wanted to be responsive to to the current situation and make sure that you know we're not just being uh, you know the scholarship fund is not just being you know 
locked into a box about just we can only do this which is award these these scholarships we can also use this money which our members have generously donated uh to support these struggling students and and we've we've connected with uh organizations like new jersey seeds and the international institute of education in order to make those donations and these are two fantastic organizations that are are supporting uh, students around the world. And I think a knock-on benefit to these donations is we're having these conversations now with these organizations about how we can work with them to further the moving business, whether that's, you know, connecting with their students and building a pipeline of talent, no matter how small it is, but building a pipeline of talent into our industry. Or, you know, one of our struggles with the scholarship fund is how do we take this internationally? How do we make it as relevant as possible to our global membership? So we're having conversations with the International Institute of Education on that. So, you know, it was very altruistic, the initial idea to gift this money, and it actually may come back to us, you know, uh, in spades, uh, in terms of how we connect our members with talent and then how do we uh, perhaps make the scholarship fund even more relevant to our global membership. So I'm excited by this and uh, look for more information about those potential budding partnerships. Exactly, it was a very generous move on the part of the um, scholarship fund board. Uh, but Brian, if, uh, if students want to apply for the scholarship, how do they do that? Yeah, so uh, we, and we could probably, uh, all you have to do, um, I'm kind of stumbling over it, but you, all you have to do is navigate to our website and look for the scholarship fund, which is under our affiliate groups. Uh, you can do that and, uh, you know, that's up in the navigation bar at the top in the blue banner. Or you can just search for Alan F. Wallstetter Scholarship Fund on Google. Both ways will get you to where you need to go um, in order to apply for the scholarship. Now this scholarship is awarded one time per year in the summer. So we recently awarded four scholarships to uh, outstanding students around the world. Uh, so if you are uh, thinking about taking classes or have taken classes or are continuing your education, this is something you're gonna wanna uh, consider uh, because what the scholarship fund does is it gifts you, if you win the scholarship, 5,000 US dollars to put towards any of your edu educational expenses. So whether that's room and board, whether that's uh, books, whether that's living expenses to offset some of the, uh, you know, living expenses you might have as part of your studies. So it's, it's a really generous scholarship and it's, it's not, you know, one of the common misconceptions out there is that it's only limited to US institutions. And it's applicable for any regionally accredited college, university, or trade school. So regardless of whether it's in the US or outside the US, as long as there is a, an independent accreditation for that educational institution, uh, you, uh, that, that satisfies that uh, eligibility requirement. So again, just to boil it down, navigate to Allen F. Walser Scholarship Fund, submit your application, applications are due May 1st of every year. And uh, we hope to uh, receive applications from you if you're 
continuing your studies or thinking about it in the future. Right, and we can award up to 10 per year. Correct. So in this, this year we awarded four. And Correct. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity, you know, I having been in school myself recently, it's expensive, you know, you need every dollar you can get. So don't be bashful about applying if you, if you think you might qualify. And even if you don't think you might qualify for some reason, there are people who assess your application. So let them make that decision. You know, try to get in front of it. Yeah. You, you I, I think, uh, you know, I'm a soccer player or I, I like to think I'm still a soccer player. <laughs> and the, the old adage is that you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't shoot. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. Get out there, submit the application. It is not, uh, an overly cumbersome application. Uh, so please, you know, we're looking to disperse this money, but we need the applications. We're not just going to, uh, disperse it to anybody. You have to be qualified uh for it so uh yeah uh i'm gonna move on to the next one carl which is this uh i guess some of the fallout ongoing fallout from the brexit um in the uk it looks like uh you know we we received this news from our our partners at the federation of european moving associations about kind of some of the difficulties they're having with their border checks and some of the uncertainty about it. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if you have any thoughts on it, but it looks like, uh, you know, there's 14 weeks left to go and there's still uncertainty on, on how, uh, you know, this is specifically coming from the road haulage association, but how road haulers, which includes, you know, if I use the parlance in the UK, removalists, uh, how they will transport goods across, uh, you know, the new UK-EU border. So it's something to, to watch out for there, another border being erected in this time, and uh, how that will impact our industry going forward. We just uh, received an email this week from, I want to say it was near service in, uh, in France. And it was more, I mean, it was sort of their message, but it was also... Um, a report on what France is saying on this issue. And uh -huh. France is saying, hey, we got all our stuff lined up, uh, but there still might be, you know, huge lines of trucks from Calais going into the, the channel there. Mm -hmm. um, so, but that's going to be a, a British backlog rather than a French backlog. So it's an interesting thing. I mean, you know, there are, this is one of those things you try to get in front of and you just don't know until it gets there, but uh, it's a it's very complicated, and hopefully things will go smoothly. But I know there's a lot of doubt on that. Well, that does make sense to me because you know the EU probably from the very start you know could put in place, and I you know EU and France can immediately immediately start thinking about the contingencies, whereas in in the UK, it. And, and it does feel like a, a much less dramatic time now that we're in 2020. But, you know, from 2016 to 2019, Brexit was one of those top stories. And it always felt like a roller coaster. And you never knew exactly what was going to end up. So it was hard to, I think, probably for the government officials charged with carrying out this policy to plan for it when they didn't know exactly how things were going to pan out. Whereas the EU could say, okay, 
we know this might happen. Let's put this contingency in place. So that, that does make sense to me, but I'm purely speculating here. I'm just completely speculating. We're just having fun on this podcast. So uh, if you're a more intelligent person on this subject, we'd love to hear from you and uh, maybe have you on the podcast to talk a little bit more about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And then we got the, uh, old, the, the two old standbys here. We got our prospective member list and our alleged debtor list. So, yeah. So I, I'm counting, uh, and again, I, there may be some overlap. I'm looking at a physical picture that I printed out from this uh, newsletter. I count 13 new, or not new members, but prospective members. I guess we're recording this on October 1st, so they may now be new members. I'm not sure, uh, but we had something like 13 prospective members, and again, we've had. Uh, more prospective members in the last several months than I think we had most of the year, uh, which is really, uh, it's really exciting to me, you know, to see that sort of uh, uptake and interest in the association. And we always get that toward the uh, annual meeting, we get companies joining more often. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just great to see. And again, and, and the, I'm sorry, just one key one key factor there is you know we we are we do have some special pricing going on which is uh uh for any any mover around the world if they want to join right now there's a special 499 dollar rate um for to the join as a core member yeah. yeah and so that gives you all the benefits of iam uh membership along with the receivable protection program which is a huge benefit um and and that that is something that last year we we delivered three hundred thousand dollars back to uh, uh, to to members uh, for those members who had qualified claims. So it is uh, for four hundred ninety nine dollars. You get all the networking opportunities that IAM provides, access to our training and professional development, access to Carl and I on this podcast. Uh, but more importantly, <laughs> uh, you have access to the receivable protection program, as well as the suite of IM member benefits. So um, if you are listening to this, uh, know that that 499 rate is going to expire on December 1st. So get in the door now uh, and join us and that'll take you through that $499 rate will take you through as a member until December 31st. 2021 so it's a it's a it's a nice promotional uh rate that we're offering and we think um it's a good idea especially in this time when people are struggling with cash we want you to be a part of the association and uh that's uh you know as much as we can do you know financially right now so we're we're making that available uh uh to our members and our prospects Right, and one reason we published the list of prospective members is because as, a, as an IEM member, you can object to other members joining. Yeah, this is one way we keep the value high. Uh, we, don't, we don't let everyone who walks in off the street come in and be part of the party. Uh, so if you ever, uh, you should, as, as a member, you should look at this frequently, or at least once a month, because it changes monthly. Uh, but if you if there's a company on that list you've done business with and they've been they've maybe stiffed you on a bill or they've you had a really bad experience, let our membership department know, and uh, you know they'll investigate it. They'll look into it and see does that 
uh, disqualify them from joining. But if you don't say anything, those are going to be your new colleagues, your new members. Yeah, important point, Carl. There's a misconception out there that IAM just takes people's money and lets them into the membership. And I've been with the association now for 11 years and always one of my responsibilities was to oversee the complaints coming into the association from either other members or uh, customers. And I can tell you that we keep track of all of these complaints. And if a company applies, and it doesn't matter if they're a member or not a member, we're, we're keeping track of it. So if a company applies and they owe another member money, or they've acted unethically, or you know, maybe we have a number of consumer complaints, transferee complaints against this company, we stop them from joining, at least give them an opportunity to respond to it. With debts that they owe to members in good standing, we force them to resolve the debt. Uh, we're currently experiencing one of these right now. So I wanna you know, just emphasize that this IAM just does not let anybody come through that we have a robust process in place to ensure that we're not letting anybody who's a threat to the network come into the association because ultimately the value of IAM uh, rests on the fact that you can open up Mobility Exchange and find a service provider there who can help you out on a shipment. Or you can go to the annual meeting, connect with somebody there who's a member and, and work with that company. Uh, whether it's acting as a service provider for that company or booking a shipment and assigning them uh, the shipment to work as a service provider. So we recognize that uh, importance and we recognize that value and we want you to know that we are working diligently to make sure that there's as much trust in the network as possible. Yeah, and as an example, there's a company recently that contacted us through, I think it was Facebook, and I talked, I had a back and forth with them and forwarded mm -hmm. on to the membership department. And it turns out it was this guy who bought the company not too long ago. And he said, we used to be IAM members. We want to be IAM members again. Well, that's great. But it turns out that the company that he bought still owed, I think it never went out of business. So he bought the company whole and it still owed IAM members some money. And so, and I don't know if that's the one you're talking about, Brian, but you know, they have to square all that stuff up, you know, they, it, and that's uh, you know, a good reminder. If you're buying a company, you know, check out what the assets and, and liabilities are, you know, and if you can just buy the assets, uh, but Absolutely. you know, and there are companies that'll buy debts and stuff like that. Uh, but know what you're buying is, you know, so hopefully this company will, will get everything squared up and become an IAM member again, but, uh, you know, under new management and under new ownership, that's a tough thing to do. So, which sort of leads yeah, into... Yeah, I think it, it comes back to how, how how do we make our members whole, right? Yeah. And uh, in those situations. And then, and then it becomes a question of whether, uh, you know, does, did this company kind of, uh, is there connections to the former entity? There's all sorts of questions that we have to ask, but at the end of the day, we're trying to make our members whole. Uh, they performed a service and they were not compensated for that service. So that is going to be the first thing we try and answer and then think about the bigger questions from there. Yeah. 
And uh, you talked about it earlier, the RPP, Brian, but we've also got the alleged debtor list, which sort of goes hand in hand with it. And these are uh, companies that have been alleged to owe money. These are companies who are IEM members who have been alleged to owe other IEM members money. Correct. And, um, and so what, what happens is you can make, someone owes you money and it's within a certain, it's, what is it, over $3,000 and it's within 120 days of the invoice, the first invoice. You can. Yeah, so we need to, uh, it's complicated. And it there's a whole webinar <laughs> on this. And I'm going to be giving a whole presentation at our virtual annual meeting on this. And, and that presentation will be made available on I Am Learning uh, for free after the conference. But um, essentially, report your debts, right, Carl? Yeah, we can't do anything unless you report your debts. And uh, you know, we need to see if, uh, if, if another IM member owes you money and uh, you wait until after 120 days, our rules stipulate that we can't compensate you if that debtor goes out of business. We can still intervene on your behalf, but we want you to have, uh, be, we hate writing those denial letters saying, oh, we can't do the compensation for you anymore. So report your debts. I, I try and emphasize that if you're seeing your debts hit 60 days with other IM members, report them. Uh, now, reporting does not necessarily mean that we notify the debtor that you've reported. Until you specifically tell us to intervene with them, uh, we keep it confidential. And the only people who see that is uh, two uh, IAM staff members. So it is completely kept confidentially, uh, but we want to make sure that you're reporting your debts. Now, if the debt uh, exceeds, if the debt is not resolved after 120 days, IAM starts intervening. And after a few steps, if that debt remains unresolved, that's when we put them on the alleged debtor list. And so there's a lot of depth to this, but it all comes back to report your debts. We can't we can't properly serve you unless you take that step. And you can report your debts by going on Mobility Exchange, logging in, and there is a, 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 an option now on the, uh, the navigation bar at the top uh, where you just click the admin and it allows you to file your RPP claim. And that, we've done that because it makes it easier for you to file it automatically shows you, uh, links your claim to your company. It links the debt to the IAM member company. And it makes us as, as easy as possible for us to administer and keep you apprised of the status of the claim as we move through the process. So report your debts at Mobility Exchange. Uh, you can go on our website. I've done a whole tutorial on how to report your debts through Mobility Exchange. I encourage you to watch that video if you're having some trouble, but that's the key there. And, and report your debts and look at the alleged debtor list. Exactly. Yeah. And like Brian said, you know, if, if you're on net 30 terms and it goes to 45 or 60 days, just send it in, you know, get, send it in. Get, you have to have that documentation because if you, if you do it at, you know, hundred, uh, 115 days, uh, you're you're pulling a whole bunch of papers together. Just just do it, and uh, and if they pay, 
great. Then just let us know that they paid. Great. So, Brian, I think that sort of wraps up uh, our episode this time. Do you have any last words of wisdom? Uh, I just want to say, yeah, I just want to say we got some uh, great member news uh, with PM Relocations. Namita Sharma, congratulations, promoted to manager of Global Partnership and Alliances. Uh, we got something in here from Suddeth. Uh, uh, Len O'Neill, their CIO, was honored as the technology leader of the year. Congratulations, Len. Uh, Edwin Ohms, uh, formerly with New World uh, Van Lines, has taken up a new position as managing director of AG AGS KHZ movers in the Netherlands. Um, so congrats, congratulations, Edwin. Uh, returning home to the Netherlands. And finally, uh, Tote Maritime Alaska. Congratulations, 45 years of service. Uh, we love getting this member news, so share it with us. Uh, you know, send it in to Carl uh, or send it into membership, send it to me. We love hearing from our members. We love learning about what's going on and we want to publicize all of you in all of our different channels, whether it's social media, ePortal, podcast, webcast, portal. We got all these different outlets. So let us know. Yeah, we want to help celebrate your successes. And uh, so send, you can send that to me. My email is carl.weaver at iamovers.org. And if I get something, I, I'll send it on to Will Kahudik, who's our portal magazine editor. Uh, so, you know, ho hopefully that's a, just an extra bonus. You know, you get it maybe in print there too. So. So I think this was a good discussion, Carl. And uh, yeah, lots going on. Lots going on with the membership. And, uh, you know, I'm just uh, eager to hear from people. Let us know how we're doing with the podcast. Let us know what you want to learn about. But thanks, Carl, for having me on. Hey, thanks, Brian. I appreciate you coming on every couple of weeks. It's always a joy. It's my pleasure. All mine. <laughs> All right. We'll see you soon. All right. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. Thank you for listening to the IAM Podcast. If there's ever anything you need from IAM, you can contact us at membership at iamovers.org or contact us by going to the Contact Us page on the IAM website at iamovers.org. Thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you next time.